Thanks for joining us again on this BGSM podcast. And this is going to be the second podcast in a mini part series on running injuries. Uh, it's great to have Dr. Blaise William back with us on the podcast. He's the director of the BCU Run Lab with skills in physical therapy, health, and human performance, where he's actually an associate professor within these disciplines. Um, as we mentioned before, his interests are in biomechanics, pathomechanics of running injuries in all ages. And today we're going to talk about the aged runner. So thank you very much for coming on the line again, Dr. Williams. Thanks for having me again, Liam. It's great to be here. Perfect. Now, the beauty of hosting these podcasts is that I don't have to answer the difficult questions. So my first question is going to be, how old is old? Who is the aged runner that we're going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, at the risk of offending people, it's, uh, you know, that's, um, uh, that's a tough question. But um, it, it's actually not a tough question when we actually look at the biomechanics, because there is a distinct change. I don't want to say distinct, but it, it, it is a noticeable change that occurs in runners after they get to the age of about 50. Now, that's variable for each individual. But when we look at population data, we can see some pretty distinct changes in, in joint moments and ranges of motion and some other, some other variables that we can talk about here um, at, o- over the age of, of 50 years. With that being said, what's interesting is we actually start to get a fair amount of physiological changes, changes in, in, in muscle, both with um, decreasing growth of muscle, stiffness of of tissue and our collagen, as well as bony changes as early as, as in our forties and in females, even, even earlier than that with bony changes. So our, our physiology is changing well before we start to see changes in, in our biomechanics. You mentioned 50 and 40 there. So watch out listeners. We're all growing old, but we know that we have a runner, let's say, or, or we have someone who wants to move again and get running, let's say 65. Maybe that's safe enough for me with a 65 year old male chap that's coming in. And, and how would you explain to your other colleagues these differences in biomechanics or physiology that you were talking about? Let's go for the deep dive on the science to begin with. So in, a, in that 65-year-old, they're, they're, they're clearly in that aged group. Number one, um, in, in aging individuals, we're, we're absolutely going to see changes, uh, as I mentioned, um, in the um, collagen composition, which results in a loss of uh, any passive flexibility or, or passive stretch that we're going to get in all of our tissues that include collagen. You name it, it's got collagen in it. The flexibility of that tissue is going to change. Tendon's not going to be quite as extensible. Um, muscle's not going to be quite as extensible. Um, ligament's not going to be quite as extensible. So we lose range of motion both passively and actively um, as we get older. And I'll, I'll get into the details of the biomechanics here in a second. We also um, will result, we'll, we'll start to lose um, the integrity of the muscle tissue. So we lose strength in muscle. Um, we, lose mu- we lose muscle mass. And we also lose extensibility of, of muscle. So muscle stops growing quite as well. Even if we remain healthy um, and continue to strength train, muscle doesn't doesn't keep up with that. So we're, we're getting weaker um, as we as we get older, um, and particularly in that in that 65 year old. And then finally, finally, we start to develop a, a loss of, of, of bone health. And we don't necessarily get 
um, osteopenia or osteoporosis, but the bone doesn't continue to, to lay itself down in, in quite the same way as it did when we were, we were 30, 30 or 40 years old. So, so there's, there's specific changes in, in, our, in our physiology. And then to go further than that, our neuromuscular system changes as well. So um, the response to loading, um, our perception, all of those things changes um, from a neuromuscular perspective as, as we get older. What that is associated with, I won't say it's resulting in, but what it's associated with is this, these changes in biomechanics that we see. So older runners don't go through nearly as much hip extension when they push off during gait. Part of that is people believe um, that they slow down. And um, the slowdown uh, may be related to cardiovascular demands and, and a, a decrease in, in VO2 uh, capacity. When they slow down, they take shorter steps. And when they take shorter steps, they don't extend their hips as much. Other people believe that they don't extend their hips as much is because they have tightness in their hip flexors. And so, therefore, they don't extend their hips as much and their, their steps get shorter. And maybe they slow down because there's a range of motion barrier to that. There's also a lesser amount of knee flexion. Um, and that's, that'll be something that's important that we'll talk about here in a second. There's a lesser amount of knee flexion that older runners go through. Again, as we run slower, um, the ground reaction forces are going to go down. The amount of knee flexion that is needed to absorb those ground reaction forces would be less. But if there's a decrease in range of motion, the knee flexion um, capacity may not be there. And so that, that limb, that knee becomes quote unquote stiffer as we, as we go through um, our range of motion. And then finally, dorsiflexion has been shown to be decreased during running in these older runners, which again, with lesser ground reaction forces, there would be a lesser need for increasing dorsiflexion. But also if, it's, if the joints are stiffer or, or the gastroxoleus complex is stiffer, the patient or the runner would be able to go through less dorsiflexion. So, you can get from my description here that there's a chicken and an egg sort of problem that we're dealing with. Are they running or is their performance decreasing because um, they are in fact running slower because the demands on their cardiovascular system and therefore the ranges of motion are decreased? Or are they running slower or going through lesser ranges of motion because there are restrictions within the joints themselves. And that's not something, that's not a question that, that has necessarily been answered yet. I'll go back to knee flexion briefly because knee flexion is, is the primary determinant of our lower extremity stiffness. Um, I'll briefly describe lower extremity stiffness and, and the best way to think about it is, is in a mass spring sort of uh, system. Our upper body, so from my, my belly button up, think of it as just a mass, a, a single ball of mass, and everything below my belly button, think of it as a spring. And therefore, that mass and that spring bounce along, and that's how we model running oftentimes um, to look at um, how efficient someone might be in running. Um, and the knee, uh, as you can imagine, having going through roughly 30 to 40 degrees of, of range of motion from initial contact to, to peak ground reaction force is the moderator of that of that force so it bends and absorbs the the forces as we go through running if that knee bends a lot then i have a compliance system 
if that knee doesn't bend very much, I have a stiff system. The less the knee bends, the stiffer the system is and the more shock goes up, goes up through the system. So as we mentioned before, older runners have less knee flexion and therefore their system, you would think, would be a lot stiffer. So that's what we kind of utilize to, to determine whether or not these, these runners, um, these older runners uh, efficient or what potentially might be um, contributing to them getting hurt. This is perfect for a science nerd like me. Do they distribute their forces very differently then? If they've got different uh, systems of compliance and stiffness, et cetera, compared to maybe younger age runners? <laughs> they do. Um, and what's interesting is what, what we have a paper um, where we have a couple of studies that we've done, but what we hypothesized, of course, is that, and, there's, and, and let me go back and say, there's a couple of different ways of determining stiffness. What I described to you before would be called a, a vertical or leg stiffness, where it's just a mass on top of a spring. We can also model each of the joints um, as torsional springs, and that is, how much does the joint bend into flexion with how much um, torque we can measure, or how much fork, force it's generating? And, it's calculated torque from ground reaction force and inverse dynamics. So we can look at what we would call joint stiffness, which is that torsional stiffness, and we can also look at leg stiffness or vertical stiffness and the trade-off between the two. And so we hypothesize that, that because the joint's going through less range of motion, the knee is going through less range of motion, that, that those joint stiffnesses would be higher in the older runners versus the younger runners. As it turns out, there was a lower joint stiffness at the knee in the older runners when we compared it to the younger runners, but a higher vertical stiffness. And that sounds weird at first, but if you think about it from a physics standpoint, all that's happening because we're calculating those joint torques, all that's happening is the ground reaction force is moving closer to the joint. So if it went straight through the joint, as you can imagine, if it went straight up through the joint, the vertical stiffness would be very, very, very high. And the torsional stiffness would be almost zero because there'd be no moment arm. It wouldn't, it wouldn't create a moment. So what's happening in these older runners is because their steps are shorter, they're landing in a way that the vertical ground reaction force class passes very closely to the joint. So the joint doesn't move very much, but the torque is not high because the, there's no moment arm there. So the vertical stiffness remains high and the torsional stiffness remains low. That's pretty awesome for someone who's getting weak quadriceps, doesn't put a whole, a whole bunch of demand on the quadriceps, but it sure does place a lot of demand vertically on the bones and the joints themselves. So where it may be good for the muscles, it may not be good for the joints. Crash course 101 in physics and science behind the age runner that they're perfectly ticked off. Let's get clinically orientated and practical take-home tips. So what would you advise our listeners need to do differently if they're looking to keep a older age person or someone of more advanced years of wisdom, as I like to call it in the hospital system, back running, keeping them running? What, what should we be doing? That's a really good question, Liam, because one of the things that we think is potentially beneficial to this phenomenon that we're seeing is that they may be saving that overuse sort of stress to their muscles 
by using this this technique of shorter strides and more verticality to to their running and if they slow down then their vertical ground reaction forces go down so the stress on the stress on the system goes down so as long as they're comfortable with their performance going down they are preserving and and as you say their wisdom and perhaps their biomechanical wisdom um, is serving them well in that regard because they're they're decreasing that overuse load potentially on their on their tissues. But if they're continuing to want to perform and continuing to push and placing excess stress on their on their tissues, one of the things that we think is is potentially beneficial would be increasing their ability to absorb torque at their knee. Potentially teaching them, and this is something we're working on now, teaching them to take more load through their soft tissue, their quadriceps and their hamstrings, um, to potentially increase uh, the moment arm and increase the torque that's generated around their knee. So clinically, one of the things that I try to work on with um, my older runners would be quadricep strength and hamstring strength. We have to remember that in a closed chain, the hamstring actually acts as, a, as an assist to the quadriceps. In a closed chain, it pulls the tibia posteriorly and acts as a knee extensor or, or prevents knee flexion. So while we think about the quadriceps as the main ex uh, open chain extensor of the knee, closed chain, uh, you know, control or flexion, the hamstrings also plays a role there. So I really like to work on hamstring, hamstring strength dynamically um, and quadriceps strength dynamically. So not just open chain kinds of stuff, but, clo but closed chain um, kinds of things. The other thing that I think um, is important for our older runners is potentially looking at um, stride, stride length and stride frequency, trying to see if we can potentially increase um, stride length a little bit um, without sacrificing stride frequency. Uh, a low stride frequency is never good for the knee because it's typically, people typically um, will stretch out towards the front rather than towards the back. In our older runners, they tend to lack that hip extension. So a lot of times I will try to work with them on hip extension to see if, if potentially we can, we can gain some of that push off there. So from a performance standpoint, I may work on hip extension uh, dynamically during gait, but for a stiffness, uh, knee health uh, kind, of, kind of standpoint, and maybe working on quad strength and, and hamstring strength. Again, these are things that seem to be clinically make sense to us right now, we're testing them in the in the lab um, as we speak. Anything else? Any learning take-home points you would want the listener to have? One of the things I think that's that's most important um, that when we look at the big picture here is um, a lot of times I think people get a little bit nervous uh, when a lot of our older athletes or even even younger athletes who continue to get injured. And I think that the tendency or the maybe the common easy thing to do is to say, well, maybe you shouldn't be running. I think we need to look at the big picture here and say, see that running and physical activity as a whole, but even running, the benefits greatly outweigh the risk. Trying to keep our older athletes physically active um, and, and on the court or on the course is a maybe harder, but it's a much better choice for them than, than saying, uh, you know, you keep getting these stress-related injuries or you keep getting Achilles tendonitis. Maybe you ought to do something else. And runners oftentimes don't really want to do anything else. So we, we have to do the best we can as practitioners to keep these guys and gals 
out on the course and and keep them keep them physically active and it may not be the easy the easy thing to do maybe say maybe you shouldn't run i think um we need to do the best everything we can to try to keep them out on the out on the course and each individual group and particularly our older runners may have some some individual challenges or or approaches that that will help them do that and that's that's what we're hoping to do thank you very much for your time and expertise on this call blaze my pleasure thank you for having me and thanks to you the listener for downloading this podcast and if you didn't get the chance to listen to the first one on the running readiness scale make sure you scroll down and have Uh, and listen to that if you want to engage further with the british journal of sports medicine you can do so during the normal social media channels and also the app now leaves me to say uh, hopefully you've got some skills there to keep the aged runner running hope you get to have a physically active day